Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. For the first time in U.S. history, a speaker of the House has been removed. Kevin McCarthy has been removed as speaker after a vote led by Matt Gates. Following this, the interim speaker of the House, Speaker Pro Tempore, removed Nancy Pelosi from her private office, evicting her. And now Troy Nails, a congressman from Texas, is saying he has nominated Donald Trump to be speaker with many Democrats actually entertaining the idea that it could happen. Hannity claiming that the president is open to it. I want to say bravo to Matt Gates and the other Republicans who stood firm and pushed back against a corrupt machine. You see, I've explained this in the past several videos, but now that it is said and done, before we get into all the news, I want to stress in 2020, many people were upset that Joe Biden won, that Republicans didn't maintain Congress, giving this Democrats this absolute control, except for the Supreme Court. Then 2022 came, we've got the midterms. And the Republicans won a very narrow majority. And everybody on the left and the corporate Republicans and conservatives blamed Donald Trump, saying, because of Trump, we, it should have been a red wave. We should have done this, that, or otherwise. I disagree. I think the polling shows that were it not for Trump, there may not even be a majority. The issue is Republicans are behind the curve on election strategy. But the funny thing is, while they're all complaining we should have had a stronger majority, what ends up happening? Kevin McCarthy breaking his, his word with the, Republic, with, with the Republicans, who actually won the majority, says he's not going to work these backroom deals and do this omnibus spending BS and then does. Cuts a backroom deal with Democrats to basically push off the Republican majority, shove them away. What was the point of winning a majority in 2022 if Kevin McCarthy is just going to negotiate with Democrats instead of the Republicans who won the majority. My friends, with a Speaker McCarthy, you have a Democrat majority. I see all these Republicans. I see, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, many people. I think Chip Roy, all defending McCarthy. I'm not a Republican. I don't care. Look, we've had we've had these individuals on the show. I respect them, but I am not a Republican. What I see here and a big difference that should be a big a, something that, that needs to be understood by so many of these people is that when I look at what Matt Gates is doing, 
that close, more closely represents how I feel about politics than what the Republican Party does. And when Kevin McCarthy says, we're going to cut a backroom deal to get funding for Ukraine, I say, that's not me. And that's why for a long time I didn't vote. Now what we're seeing is you actually have a faction of Republicans who represent something more closely to me and probably many of you. And Matt Gates is standing up for that. So right now they're saying, congratulations, Matt Gates. You just gave Democrats control, blah, blah, blah. And my attitude is like, none of us had control in the first place. If the Republican Party is just cutting backroom deals to give Democrats what they want, and when Democrats have power, they're steamrolling Trump supporters, then us, you and I, Matt Gates, we aren't even part of the political equation. But now we are. So here's what I see. I see the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, and call it whatever you want, the Freedom Faction, a small group of individuals who are pushing back and using that power to say no. And now we get such wonderful stories like Nancy Pelosi evicted from her private office in the Capitol by interim House Speaker. You know, it's schadenfreude. It's not like this one matters all that much to me, but uh, to see immediately following this, someone took a bit more decisive action. This is Patrick McHenry. He's a big McCarthy ally. And he was uh, McCarthy. The rules state that if McCarthy is to be vacated, there has to be someone who can temporarily hold the position. The only real powers they have, uh, they, don't, they don't have as strong of powers as the speaker normally does. And it's typically just there to help find the next speaker. But uh, he made this move against Pelosi. It's symbolic, but I'll take it. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get into all this news, go to TimCast.com, click TimCast IRL X Miami. I am honored and proud to say this Friday, in just two days, we will be live on stage in Miami with Patrick Bet David, James O'Keefe, and Matt Gates. And I am, uh, uh, look, we, we've had this event planned for like a year. We've had Matt uh, uh, scheduled for a very, very long time because we're huge fans of the work that he's been doing. And I just want to make, I, I want to see you guys there. Matt's going to get like a 20 minute long standing ovation. It's going to be nuts. I think the people who are showing up to this event understand what Matt is doing and why it's the right thing and how they're going to come after him. They're going to investigate him. They're going to lie about him. And they're doing all of these things. They're smearing him. They're, try, they're, they're saying two things. He's only doing this because McCarthy won't stop these investigations into him. No, they're only investigating him because Matt Gates is standing up to the corruption. They're saying he just wants to run for governor. I don't buy any of it. And you know what? Honestly, I don't care. Matt Gates did something good. So that being said, tickets have started to sell ridiculously fast. And um, I'm, I don't know exactly if we're going to sell out, but they, they added, um, I think this is um, the, the ticket sales added going fast because everyone started buying a bunch of tickets. It is an honor and a privilege, Matt, to have you on Friday. And uh, I fully do recognize, and I want to make sure everybody knows this, as of right now, our communications with the team they fully expect to be at this event. It's long been planned. But Matt is doing such tremendous and important work. In the event he gets held up in D.C. to keep doing this work, I fully expect him to continue doing the good work that he is doing. But uh, I, I do believe 99% uh, chance, you know, our understanding and everything is good. Matt will be there. And uh, I only bring this up because I honestly, I can't believe it. I can't believe that we are going to have at this most perfect moment Matt Gates on stage with us, breaking down what's going on, explaining what happened. This is history. This is history. And so uh, I, I, it's, it's an honor and a privilege, Matt. Thank you uh, for, for, for coming and for doing this event with us. It's going to be absolutely incredible. 
And uh, we're going to have a lot, a lot of other guests there. Luke Rakowski's there. Like, like I mentioned, hey, don't get Patrick, Bet David, and James O'Keefe. This is going to be epic. Absolutely epic. Take a look at this story from the New York Post, and let's start breaking down where we're currently at. This is, I guess, the most immediate news, because y'all probably already heard that Kevin McCarthy's removed. First time in U.S. history. Amazing. If we can't get an impeachment, at least we can get that. I love the, like, Democrats are being given a victory. I don't care. I don't care. I'm happy that we found some bipartisan support. How about that? It was a bipartisan effort, right? You spiked the Republican Party. Ain't my Republican Party, and I don't care. I'm not a Republican. I don't like Republicans. Now, in the immediate, we get this joyous little cherry on top. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi was ordered to immediately vacate her Capitol hideaway office by Wednesday as she slammed acting Speaker Patrick McHenry's decision as a sharp departure from tradition. Oh, you're going to cry about it? An email sent to Pelosi's office on Tuesday said, the room will be rekeyed <laughs> and reassigned for Speaker use. Man, I love it. You know, look, I don't, I don't know enough about McHenry or what his plans are. He's, he's in there temporarily. But I can just say, whatever his intentions or plans are, at least he gave us this tiny morsel. And it's thanks to the efforts of Matt Gates and the seven other Republicans. The move came just hours after McHenry was named House Speaker pro tempore following the ouster of Kevin McCarthy in a historic vote Tuesday. With all of the important decisions that the new Republican leadership must address, which we are all eagerly awaiting, one of the first actions taken by the new Speaker pro tempore was to order me to immediately vacate my office in the Capitol, Pelosi said in a statement referring to McHenry. Pelosi had two separate stints as Speaker. Yes, yes, we know. The eviction is a sharp departure from tradition. As Speaker, I gave former Speaker Dennis Hastert a significantly larger suite of offices for as long as he wished. Pelosi said she is in California, where she is mourning the death of Senator Dianne Feinstein and is unable to retrieve her belongings from the office. Cold. <laughs> Cold, but uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, everybody. Um, I just, I can't help but feel so good about something like this. I just can't. And I understand, yeah, kind of a dick move. Pelosi needs to be able to get her stuff. It's like, but I, I got to be honest. Patrick Mc McHenry just pulled a thug life move, evicting Pelosi while she is out of town at a funeral. That was, wow. That was as disrespectful as you could be. And my friends, I do not believe Pelosi is deserving of respect. Feinstein died Friday. This we know. Her body will be moved. We get it. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries staffers helped clean out Pelosi's office late Tuesday, the outlet reported. I'm actually surprised they did. I'm surprised they didn't do some stupid sit-in or something. A television and bags were seen outside the office before they were hauled away. Office space doesn't matter to me, but it seems to be important to them, Pelosi added. Oh, is that why you issued a statement saying, how dare you? You should take it my office away. Now that that was strangely an Irish old man accent I was doing for Pelosi. Now that the new Republican leadership has settled this important matter, let's hope they get to work on what truly is important for the American people. Yes. How about we talk about funding first and foremost for the troops, right? The American troops, not the Ukrainian ones. Hey, I dig it. I don't know if anything good will come of all of this, except we've, I think it is good that there's been a rebuke of the GOP corporate establishment and of the Democrats all in one fell swoop.
It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine engine repairs, and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com slash carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. Now, now the Republicans are saying, oh, you know, you've given this to Democrats. And I'm like, booting Nancy Pelosi was a sign of disrespect, deserving and becoming of who she is and what she represents. It is what it is. It's symbolic and it's emotional, but I think it matters. I think it shows that the old powers are being stripped. Now, again, I'm not I'm not super familiar with Patrick McHenry. I don't know where he goes with this. They say he's an ally of McCarthy, but McCarthy getting the boot. And Pelosi getting getting the boot from her office is a statement of the old guard no more. Does it mean we've won? No. Does it mean that this actually improves? I don't know. I don't know. What I can tell you is Matt Gates, even if you want to call this obstruction of what, what Matt Gates is doing, obstruction is better than Republicans working secret backroom deals with Democrats. Here's the game plan. Here's the game, right? I'm not a Republican. I don't like Republicans. I don't vote Republican until 2020. Then I said, okay, fine. Trump's second term agenda. And I think we want to see, we want to see these members of Congress and the Republican Party win because there are certain things we care about in the culture war. I am not a traditional Republican. I am not pro-life. I'm certainly not pro-abortion. You know, I fall in that weird limbo space of where Democrats kind of used to be 15, 20 years ago. But so Republicans essentially negotiate a peace deal with moderates, former Democrats, former liberals or post liberals, whatever you want to call it. Stephen Crowder had a conversation with me about abortion. I said, I'm more pro-choice. And he said something to the effect of like, would you agree with certain limitations like six to 12 weeks and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I agree with those. Okay, great. We found compromise. Let's, let's do it. This is what happens. Many post liberals, moderate, centrist, left-leaning or whatever, get Hear this negotiation from the anti-establishment wing of the Republican Party, and the Republican Party's all about it. And they say to people like me, lend us your support. I see Matt Gates fighting against Kevin McCarthy for speakership, saying we want guarantees and protections. And I said, that's what I want to hear. Because it's, it's, it's me and it's you, right? Many of us who are moderate, right-leaning, left-leaning, not always, you know, super uh, on one side, not tribalist to an extreme degree, very anti-establishment, very anti-woke. And they're trying to convince us to support the machine. I know that many of you who watch, I've spoken with many of you, were more in the camp of I'm not voting, screw this, I'm out. I know that when I went to Trump rallies in 2015 and 16, people said I've never voted before, the machine doesn't represent me. Now, finally, there is something happening that feels like we are getting a chance. So again, what I see is the Republicans are corrupt, the Democrats are corrupt, and Matt Gates more more so represents us, the regular, moderate, 
normal person in this country, which is, in my opinion, the majority. Congress's approval rating is 17%. And you've got the likes of Thomas Massey and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert defending McCarthy. I like those individuals. I do. But I don't understand this argument that we are going to defend a corrupt institution that 82% of Americans say they disapprove of. I'd say at this point, what's, what's the point of it? Rubber stamping bills in Congress? Marjorie Taylor Greene's the one who told us about that. Nah, not interested. Have a nice day. We have uh, this tweet from Lauren Chen. Masterfully, master, uh, uh, masterfully trolling everybody who uh, doesn't read a single tweet or a sing, uh, more than a single sentence. She tweeted, are you happy now, Gates? Now you'll have Democrats in charge who fail to secure the border, who funnel money to Ukraine, throw Trump under the bus and fail to hold Biden accountable for his corruption instead of Kevin McCarthy, who also does all of those exact same things. I love. Uh, and then Lauren says, this post is an IQ and attention span, attention span test wrapped in one. I love how many people did not read the last line of what Lauren Chen wrote. She's making the same point that I made, but she's trolling rather masterfully. The point is that with Kevin McCarthy running backroom deals, you may as well have Democrats in charge. There's no majority here. And so many people were like, no, Matt Gates did good. No. And it's like, did you read it? I think she nailed it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick McHenry. So this is the dude uh, uh, who is uh, pre- uh, he is speaker pro tempore, the congressman temporarily leading the House, the man who has ousted Nancy Pelosi. Tremendous respect here. And this is where we are currently at. Now, many people are asking what comes next. How about Republican congressman to nominate Trump for House Speaker? Troy Nails from Texas calls Trump the greatest president of my lifetime and says he will nominate him to replace Kevin McCarthy. I would like to clap and um, shout out to Matt Gates for standing uh, firm in the face of all of this hatred, standing up for what you believe in. They're trying to make the argument that Matt Gates is only doing this because he's under investigation, which I call BS. I think they're investigating him because he's standing up to them. Because uh, if Matt Gates really was concerned about being investigated, he would play ball. He would say, I will steer the MAGA Republican types and the Freedom Caucus people. I will steer them and negotiate on your behalf if you lay off. And I wonder how many members of Congress have decided to side with McCarthy because they have no spine because they much prefer to play ball because they're scared of what comes next. Yeah, they've accused Matt of some of the most egregious, insane things that turn out to be all fake, all false, blackmail and otherwise. And he has stood firm. I don't think this is him desperately trying to get out of an investigation. That makes literally no sense. They're making these arguments to besmirch his good name. That's what they do. Look at Julian Assange. Your game doesn't work anymore, you scumbags. Ten years ago, they claimed Julian Assange assaulted a woman. Lies. Absolute lies. Abject evil. And he has been locked up ever since. And he shouldn't be. This is the game they play. You fall out of line, they lie about you. They run your name through the mud and they try and destroy you. Look what they're doing to Donald Trump. But we don't buy it anymore. I don't buy it. You're, you're stupid. I'm, I am callous to your stupid and pathetic smears. You scream racist. Don't care. You scream white supremacist. You're lying. I don't believe you. You accuse Matt Gates, Donald Trump, anybody of wrongdoing or whatever. I just don't care anymore. You know why? 
because Matt and Trump are both now representing the human Molotov cocktail being thrown into a system of corruption, greed, malice, and evil. And this argument that, you know, Kevin McCarthy, oh, but we're getting, you know, small things here and there. No, we weren't. For decades now, we've been on this omnibus garbage and the American people have, have complained. This idea that you're going to wheel in 5,000 pages. And it's funny that you get so many of these Republicans being like, it is wrong. We shouldn't do spending this way. And then none of them are willing to stand up to McCarthy, who was running backroom deals. Will Donald Trump be speaker? Well, I got to be honest. Last night we talked about it. We had Laura Trump on Timcast IRL. And uh, I was saying, I, I don't think Trump takes it. I, I, he's running for president. Why would he be speaker? Well, apparently we have this from the Daily Beast. Sean Hannity, who remains close with Trump, claimed he's been told the former president is open to the idea. Well, okay. Perhaps this is something that could actually happen. I doubt it. You would need all the Republicans to vote for Donald Trump as speaker, but it would be the greatest thing ever. And I wish. I don't, I don't know who I have to pray to. Is it just the, the, the singular one Abrahamic God, or is it the pantheon? Or must I wish upon a star to get Donald Trump to be Speaker of the House? It would be the greatest thing ever. And the Democrats are all like, yeah, we want to see Trump standing behind Joe Biden as he gives the State of the Union, and as if it's an insult. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't care. I want Speaker Donald Trump third in line for the presidency. And you know, at first I, th I thought Trump would not do it. But when I saw this article, I thought maybe there's something I'm missing and maybe there are some reasons Trump might actually do it. And yeah, maybe it's pertaining to the investigations and the trials and everything against him. As Speaker of the House, he would have a bit more power and it could really jam up the, the sham investigations and fraud charges laid against him. In New York, we're now learning that the overwhelming majority of claims made against Trump and the Trump organization are beyond the statute of limitations, even if they were true. Lies, smears, slander, and politics. So let's do this. Let's nominate a speaker, Donald Trump. I implore Donald Trump to accept the nomination. And I implore all members of Congress to accept a speaker, Donald Trump, because who else is going to do it? You got, a, you got an interim speaker. Ben Shapiro, had a, had a, he posted the Homer Simpson meme. It said uh, something like, who wants to be Speaker of the House? And then it said House Republicans. And it's Homer Simpson disappearing back into the bush. <laughs> nope. Who's going to want to do that job? Now, here's, here's what I'll tell you. I understand. It is not an easy job. It's not. But Congress's approval rating is 17% at, according to Gallup as of September 23rd. 17%. What did Kevin McCarthy think was going to happen when he cut backroom deals and now he's trying to smear Matt Gates? This ain't how you do it, man. It's not. And you know, I, I, we, I've talked to a lot of people. We know a lot of people in D.C. We know a lot of people in politics and they're all saying things like, you know, Kevin's a really good guy and like, I know he's trying, but this and I'm like, dude, Kevin McCarthy knew when he was trying to be speaker because it was his turn. He even he was trying to move in. He moved into the speaker's office before he even won the vote. The game is this. The deal is this. You have to work with us. And if you can't do that, you cannot be speaker. So you know what Kevin McCarthy did? He said, I stake my word on, on your votes that I will, I will abide by the terms of our agreement. And then as soon as they turned around and walked away, he smirked and said, what a bunch of morons. If Kevin McCarthy 
knew he would not be able to push back spending and there would be a government shutdown and all this stuff, he should have said, I can't take the job, guys. It's not for me. I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you what I do. If I'm looking at 400 plus members who are all corporate neo-party or whatever and a handful of who are not, but those eight to 11 Republicans are looking at me saying, we will remove you as speaker because there's no majority without us. I say, okay, we're in an interesting, interesting position. A slim minority of Republicans have tremendous power in opposition to the rest of the party because the rest of the party marches in lockstep. Okay, then we're going to have to negotiate. And these people hold more power than most other members of Congress. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? With more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S., they have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. If you cannot, that's what I'd say. I'd say, okay, what you're asking for, I will not be able to do. So I will not be speaker. But you know what the thing is? Too many people like Pelosi, like McCarthy, like Hillary Clinton, these establishment political pieces of trash are like, it's my turn now. So McCarthy's attitude, it would seem is, you know what? I'll just lie. To, I'll, I'll, I'll lie to these guys. I'll lie to them and I'll get what I want. And then he gets removed. And what does he do? He lies again. I love it. I'm, I love seeing all these Republicans being like, Matt Gates, you betrayed us, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, whatever, man. All of my life, and especially in the past several years, I see a, a Congress that does not work for the American people. I see an executive branch that, that actually harms the American people. I see Congress, according to all the data, you know, you know what? Your opinion doesn't matter, they say. This is what they're really mad about. There was a, a survey done that found public polling, the opinions of the American people have no bearing whatsoever on Congress. Now, to a certain degree, I accept that. It's a good thing. Why? I, so I, 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 was talk, I, always, I always talk about this, that the average person, it is not their job to be in politics and news all day, every day. And if you're like a tradesman or something, then the purpose of a constitutional republic is you appoint a, rep a representative to represent your values. And then I get people saying, Tim, I do trades and I know politics. Stop scapegoating. I am not saying you are stupid. I am saying, yo, as a tradesman, your job is not in Congress, right? This is what I'm saying. If you're a plumber and you want your voice heard, you speak up, you speak to your representatives. If you feel that they are not representing your values properly, then you run for office and you are allowed to. The point I'm making is if you would prefer to maintain your job as a plumber or carpenter, electrician, coffee bar owner, barista, uh, or whatever, construction worker, then you vote for someone else because you're busy at work. 
you are not working in D.C. Right? Get it? That's the point of a constitutional republic. This means you expect the person you send down there within reason to not actually agree with everything you say, just to be the best representing the values of your community. And they, 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 they do to a certain degree. But we find through public polling that it's the opinions of the elite, the oligarchs, the massive multinational corporations that have the biggest bearing on whether or not bills get passed. You know why? Fundraising. Kevin McCarthy plays that game. He controls funding with the Republican Party. And so all these members of Congress are like, if I defy McCarthy, I'm not going to get funding for re-election. I have to play ball. Ooh, cry about it. You don't deserve to be in Congress. Kevin McCarthy does not deserve to control this. This part, this, this, this two-party system is busted. I don't mind the two-party system as it pertains to the presidency for the most part, except for the private rules to keep people off the primaries, like what they're doing to RFK Jr. So it is broken. But in this instance, the idea that a political elite behind closed doors with corporate lobbying money and backroom deals is going to control who's in Congress is despicable. And it brings me endless joy to see all of this. And so this Friday, it is uh, an honor and a privilege that I will uh, be able to grace the stage with Matt Gates because for once, I feel like someone is finally standing up for me, for you. For regular Americans, for the 82% who don't like what's going on. And I tell you this, Democrats in Congress, their motivations are not pure, but at least Democrats voting to remove McCarthy is more in line with the sentiment of the American people who despise and disapprove of what Congress does. In the end, if Democrats were to make, get their choice, you're not going to be happy either. But the vote to remove McCarthy was, was probably the most popular thing Congress has done in a very, very long time. So we'll see. I would, I would love to see a Trump speaker. Uh, they're probably going to have to pull someone from the outside because nobody's going, going to want to do it. You don't need to be a member of Congress to be speaker. And so there has been talk about someone like Justin Amash, and that's a bad idea. Republicans nominating and voting for someone who is going to negotiate with Democrats is McCarthy all over again. All Matt Gates and his crew have to do now is hold the line and prevent any one of these uh, individuals from, from, from getting power. In fact, it really is. It's going to have to be Democrats cutting a deal with Republicans. That's the fear. The fear with ousting McCarthy and what they were essentially trying to blackmail all of us and Matt Gates with was, if you oust McCarthy, Democrats will go to the rest of the Republican Party, the 213 or however many it was, and they're going to say, we will give you the 10 votes you need if you bring in someone like Amash or some more moderate, favorable McCarthy type individual. And that's a problem. But for now, all I can tell you, it's history and I'm happy about it. You know, a lot of people might say now there's going to be more damage. You know, look, man, I, I, I just got to use the poker uh, reference. Got Sometimes you bluff. You know what I mean? I don't think this is a bluff. I think it's a power move and I think it's the right thing to do. But you may lose the hand. Sometimes you're playing poker and you know you're beat, but you don't think the other player has the, has the balls to make the big move. So you bet all your money. You go all in and say, call me out. And they won't do it. They won't do it because they are more scared of what's going to happen when you flip over those cards than you are. Or at the very least, you're saying, I'm willing to take a risk that you are not. Matt Gates has shown that he is willing to withstand massive pressure and take tremendous risk to his safety, to his life and his good name for something greater. 
None of these people have the balls to stand up to that. And so they may try and play dirty games. But I think in the end, they're going to have to defer to someone like Gates because he's shown real leadership. I'll leave it there. Uh, massive, uh, massive props. I, I, it is, you know, I said this uh, uh, several months ago. I, I told Matt this too. I, on the show, I said he's my favorite member of Congress. And that's, that's not saying a lot, to be honest, because I don't have, I don't like members of Congress. But the fact that you got me liking a member of Congress, wow. That's a handful I like. Don't get me wrong. But this, this move here is um, one of the most significant and important things we've seen in American politics in generations. The move to, to end the omnibus spending was, was uh, uh, incredible. And now the move to remove McCarthy is, is, is bravery and it is integrity. And I am all for it. So, so thank you to Matt Gates, man. Uh, I'm not even talking about policy. I'm just saying this move right here, maybe we'll debate and have disagreements on policy issues. Absolutely, probably will. But I'm glad someone's finally standing up to the machine. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. I like Jim Jordan. I'm excited to see that he is running for Speaker of the House. And oh boy, am I so excited to be let down by Jim Jordan. You know, because it's, it's not about Jim. I do like the guy. I, I appreciate the work that he does in government accountability. We've had him on the show before. He's one of the few members of Congress I actually do like. But I think the institution is just broken and it's corrupt. And what's going to happen is Jim's going to be staring down the barrel of the, the MAGA Republican types, the anti-establishment forces, and the establishment machine, nothing gets done. So it's not so much that uh, in reality, I'd be let down. I, I, honestly, if Jim is just the Speaker of the House, and it's rather obstructive, I suppose, I'll take it. And so to be fair, Jim's a much better option than Kevin McCarthy. But I must stress, I really just feel like uh, no matter who you get in, it's going to be nonsense. And it's because you've got too many shell Republicans who are going to negotiate with Democrats. It's because you've got people like Kevin McCarthy. He's a member of Congress. Even if you get a Jim Jordan in, how are you going to convince Kevin McCarthy not to side with Democrats? He was doing it backroom deals. So the big news right now, we got a bunch of stories here. Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, is calling for Matt Gates to be expelled. Jim Jordan confirms he is running and Gates slams the speaker pro tempore for sending everybody home for a week there in recess until next Tuesday. Now, my friends, this is all history in the making. Again, fan of Jim Jordan, actually kind of excited for this, but I do think no matter what ends up happening, we have a broken institution with 82% disapproval. I'm going to read you this story and we're going to go through what's currently happening. Trump is saying no he will not accept a speakership. I thought that was obvious, even if some of the reporting was that he was floating the idea and the possibility. Perhaps he was. Now he's saying no. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com. Click the link in the description below. Go to TimCast IRL X Miami. This Friday, October 6th, 6 p.m., we will be live on stage with Patrick Bet David, James O'Keefe, Matt Gates himself, and Luke Rutkowski, Ian Crossan will be there, plus a whole bunch of really awesome guests. And uh, tickets are going fast. We, we didn't add that. That's like a normal thing they add because we started selling so many tickets. And I um, said this in my earlier segment, I'll say it again. The work that Matt Gates is doing, he is doing the Lord's work up in, in D.C., challenging a corrupt machine at great personal and career professional risk to himself. And he is actually arguing to stay in D.C. to get the job done, which would mean he's not going to make it. Not going to make it to the event. I think it's in, in, in full transparency. We have to say it, but I, I, I really do believe that every single person who would come to this event 
would prefer that Matt Gates stay in D.C. and fight the good fight. And I have tremendous respect for him uh, having done that. That being said, our understanding, having spoken with uh, Matt and his team, as well as the latest news that they're telling everyone to go home, is that Matt will be there on Friday as we've had this event scheduled and planned for a very, very long time. No one could have foreseen that uh, Matt would win such a tremendous battle. But I will say this. I really do feel the most important thing for Matt is to to keep up the fight in D.C. I, I have never been so, uh, uh, I don't know, inspired by a, by a politician before because the machine's been so corrupt and broken. And that's what I want to get into because Newt Gingrich represents this in calling for Matt Gates's ouster. So if you want to see us this Friday, pick up your tickets now. Click the link in the description below. It is in, uh, it's going to be in Miami. We're doing a member, uh, an elite members meetup earlier in the day. It's going to be epic. Alex Stein's going to be doing an opening set and intros. We've got a bunch of people. Ashley St. Clair will be there. Really, really excited for this. And uh, I'll just stress, it is an honor and a privilege. And I very, very much hope that Matt Gates can make it to the event. But I totally understand with the unprecedented historical victories that he is working on in DC, if he can't make it, it is what it is. It is what it is. We got James O'Keefe, we got Patrick, Bet David, and a ton of other people who will be speaking, people that you are uh, big fans of who have been on the show, and I'm really excited for this. Here's the latest news in the ongoing historical. So I, I keep saying that because it's the first time a speaker has been removed. This is impeachment and conviction all in one. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Now, of course, the Democrats should be celebrating, but they're they're not really. They're, it's just it's just oh, the Republicans are in shambles. This is absurd. Blah blah blah. It's funny that it's people like me that are celebrating substantially more than the Democrats who were on, in line with these eight Republican uh, rebels, I guess you'd call it. And the big news is Jordan replied yes when asked if he was running for speaker. And that is absolutely amazing. He had just talked to the House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, also a fan of Scalise. I don't think any of these guys are perfect. Even Marjorie Taylor Greene was, in, was, in, was acting in defense of McCarthy. Not a fan of that. But I, 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 have a, I have just enough respect for these members that I can say there's a handful that I like. But it seems like Matt Gates and these other seven are the only ones who are actually fighting the good fight. The House is essentially paralyzed while it lacks a speaker following McCarthy's historic ousting and subsequent announcement that he will not run to reclaim the gavel. Why would he? They just voted him out. He's not going to win. It's pointless. He shouldn't have run in the first place. House Republicans are slated to hear from speaker candidates at a forum next Tuesday, setting up the next possible housewide speaker vote Wednesday, October 11th, which I will stress, Matt Gates is actually slamming the, the uh, speaker pro tempore 
Gates knocks Speaker Pro Tem for sending lawmakers home to cry for a week. And uh, look, I'm going to stress this. We've been working on this event for like a year. It is tremendously difficult. We've had to do it. There's just so much stuff behind the scenes that has been a stressful nightmare in getting this, this, this event going. It's not so simple. People, you don't realize we don't just call a venue and say, hey, we'll be there. We have to like file paperwork with the state. We have to, there's a lot of stuff involved, legal stuff, insurance stuff, employment, sending people back and forth, finding the venues, booking the speakers, tremendous amount of work. If Matt does what needs to be done and secures uh, Congress uh, staying in session so that they can figure this out, it means he's not at our event. But you know what? The work he's doing is substantially more important than this event. But uh, it looks like, despite his criticisms, they're sending everybody home. This does not mean that Matt is going home. He may stick around D.C. and fight the good fight. Quote, I do have to offer some pretty sharp criticism of the new pro tem of the House, Patrick McHenry. Uh, Gates said on Newsmax with Eric Balling, we met tonight and he sent us home until Tuesday of next week. We should be here tomorrow working to elect a new speaker getting onto our appropriations bills and engaging in a negotiation with the Senate to get the government funded. But instead, these people got to go home and cry for a week. They've got to go do a week of hand wringing and bedwetting over the fact that Kevin McCarthy isn't speaker anymore. This institution is about more than one man. They keep trying to smear him. Let me let me show you this story and explain to you why I don't like Republicans. I've never been a Republican, and there's only a small handful of people that I like. Newt Gingrich calls for GOP to expel Matt Gates for being an anti-Republican and slams his childish behavior. As I've been stating, we've booked an event. We originally had Don Jr., Patrick Bet David, and Matt Gates, and Don had a scheduling issue. Something uh, came up, and totally respect it. Don Jr. is doing very important work as well. Obviously, the son of the former president and future president. Uh, as of right now, I know the left is going to go nuts with that one. And Matt Gates has every opportunity to do a victory lap and say, haha, look what I've done. If this was really about brand building, if this was really about investigations or whatever, he absolutely would say, yes, we got to go home, come up on stage and give a bow to all of these people at this theater and on stream and talk about all the great work he's doing. Instead, Matt Gates is actually insisting on staying and doing their jobs. This is the issue that I have with Congress. One of uh, the issue, one of the issues, Marjorie Taylor Greene, one of the reasons I like her, she brought this up to us. She said when she gets in office, she goes to Congress and finds like eight Democrats and eight Republicans and some guy she doesn't know who's not the speaker introducing bills. And this is how they get passed. The guy goes, we have a bill to like fund this. And the Democrats are like, yay. And the Republicans are like, nay. And it's like, eh, Democrats get it. Bang. Next. No objections. Nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention. So what did they do? Freedom Caucus individuals, anti-establishment forces, when they would say, we have this bill, Marjorie would go floor vote, which means every member has to now come in and they have to roll call. Are you in favor? Are you in favor? Are you in favor? And they hated it because they don't want to do their jobs. So you know what? I stand by, I, I stand by Matt Gates. You know, I, I understand. You know, uh, I bring it up because we're two days out from this event. We planned with Matt. But, uh, uh, you know, I've got people hitting me up being like, it, it is, it's a historic moment. And Matt needs to get the job done. He is leading this tremendous battle in D.C. And for this, Newt Gingrich, your neocon establishment, GOP, whatever, is saying to expel him. 
It's why I've never been a Republican. It's why I don't like the Republican Party. I don't like the Democratic Party either, but this explains it right now. All of these people who are whinging and crying about what Matt Gates did by filing a motion to vacate, by having negotiated these, these, these provisions in the first place, if Kevin McCarthy breaks his word, which he did, why is it Matt Gates's fault? I tell you this, let's expel McCarthy for lying to other members of Congress so he could get elected. He broke his word. He said he wasn't going to do these bills. He wasn't going to cut backroom deals. They were going to work to stop the omnibus spending. It was a major issue. And, and McCarthy said, OK, I'll give you this. And you know what McCarthy was thinking, in my opinion? He was thinking, sure, I'll tell them whatever they want to hear. They don't have the balls to file to remove me because it would be career suicide. Instead, Matt Gates stood up and said, you want to play ball? We'll play ball. And now McCarthy, who broke his word and cut a backroom deal to fund Ukraine, is, 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 is crying about it. And Newt Gingrich wants Gates expelled? How about this? Kevin McCarthy did not have the balls to actually negotiate on, in good faith with members of the Republican Party who helped secure a majority. And if he's going to cut these backroom deals, there may as well not be a majority at all. So who should be expelled? How about the guy who broke his word and started the crisis? Let me tell you, my friends, the buck stops with the boss. OK, if you run a company, if you're the boss and one of your staff members makes a mistake, it's your fault. Oh, no, sure. You can come down and go to your staff member and say, hey, look, you made a mistake. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. I'll put it this way. When I was a kid, we, uh, <clears throat> we lived on the other side of the tracks from uh, from my, my high school. I went to high school for a couple months, I think it was, like two or three months. And I remember one day I was late. And so they gave me a detention, to which I ignored. So they gave me a Saturday detention, to which I ignored. And then apparently they forgot about it. But I remember uh, talking to my dad and I said, it's not my fault. There was a train. And he goes, yes, it is. You know, the tracks are there. The trains come. You got to leave early enough so they don't get stopped by the train. And that's an important lesson I learned. I knew the obstacles before me. And I took a risk. I said, eh, if I leave right now, I'll be fine. There's probably not going to be a train. And there was, and I was late. The lesson learned, the variables set before you, whether you know about them or not, it is your fault if you don't prepare and don't plan ahead. Failure to plan is planning for failure. Kevin McCarthy is the boss. He's the speaker. He's looking at all of the pieces in Congress, and he should know breaking his word with people who already threatened to remove him, would result in this. And he said, I'm going to call your bluff. And unfortunately for him, it wasn't a bluff. Matt Gates said, done. You want to play ball? We'll play ball. So who's at fault? Kevin McCarthy is. No question. None. I don't see why they're trying to blame Matt Gates for a problem Kevin McCarthy created by breaking his word. Matt Gates, a single member of Congress, said, here are my terms. Kevin McCarthy said, fine deal. Kevin McCarthy then broke his word. This is the Republican Party, my friends. This is why Speaker of the House from 95 to 99, I never liked Republicans. Still don't. There's only a handful of individuals I like. Here we go. Gingrich 80 was Speaker. He has called for Matt Gates to be expelled from the Republican Party for ousting McCarthy, saying he's describing Gates as egotistical, incompetent, childish, vain, and an embarrassment to their side. Yeah, this is, this, this is what we get. This is the, the, the old, archaic way of running a corrupt machine to just kick it down, kick the can down the road. Gates on Monday introduced legislation, uh, a motion to remove McCarthy, which we know. 
Rep. Matt Gates is an anti-Republican who has become actively destructive to the conservative movement. <laughs> the conservative movement. I'm 37. I'm 37 years old. Newt Gingrich is 80. My friend, you did your job. A lot of people appreciate what you did. There was a period where Republicans hadn't held Congress for, what, like 40 years, and then Gingrich uh, and many came in, and they made a change. They did. Something, ha- something different happened. And uh, I've never been a fan of how they operate. Never. Growing up, don't care. Now we are witnessing the rise of a new generation, people like Matt Gates, who, uh, you know, he's in his, what is he, 40? We're not, we're not young, you know. We are now the adults who, who must be working to inherit this system. The only thing Newt Gingrich should be saying is he should be laughing. If it were me and I was 80 and this is what was going down, I'd laugh and I'd be like, you know, it's the next generation that inherit everything. And uh, it's going to be up to them. It really is. My, my view on all of this stuff is that we have to inspire young people and indoctrinate them to American values, not the woke leftist values. The people on the right are like, indoctrination is bad. Well, you know, woke indoctrination is bad. But you want your kids indoctrinated to the values of freedom and meritocracy and personal responsibility and responsibility to your nation and your community. It's just there's got to be a good balance of, of freedom. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of just being loyal to government for the sake of it. I think that there is a community responsibility we all have. When I look at this, Newt Gingrich complaining about Matt Gates, it's a failure of Newt Gingrich. It really is. What did he cultivate when he was leading the charge? That's it, man. Newt Gingrich as speaker and in the Republican Party helped foment everything around him. And now he complains about it. You know, my view, I've told this story a million times, right? When I, was, when I was a kid growing up skateboarding, first, everybody, when I was a little kid, like everybody wore baggy pants. And then when I started skating, the cool thing was to wear skin tight jeans, punk rock, hesh, etc. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And so, you know, I'm 14, 15, and we all get our stretch, stretch jeans that are super tight to skate in. And, you know, the reality for me is that it was easier to see and feel the skateboard. And I get these older dudes who are wearing big baggy jeans, they all made fun of me and my friends. They talked about how, how you know, it's how lame and how, how stupid we looked and all that stuff. We didn't care. We were like, you're losers. But these guys, at one point, were the cool dudes. When I got a little older, I noticed that a bunch of people, uh, uh, it became a trend to wear dickies, slacks, not jeans, and they didn't go all the way down to your shoes. So we'd call that flooding when your pants were not, you know, long enough. And then I see a bunch of people I know my age being like, look, look how cringe that is. They're such losers. And I was like, man, older dudes made fun of us wearing baggy jeans. And now you're making fun of the younger dudes for wearing their pants. I don't care, bro. That's what they like. That's what they think is cool. It's on them. Same thing with scooting. People don't like scooters. And I'm like, dude, let the kids have fun and they're going to figure out their world. If they do, if, if you're, if you're looking at Matt Gates and complaining about it, what did you do to help cultivate a younger generation of conservatives and anti-establishment forces to make a change? Or more importantly, did you cultivate corruption in the machine and refuse to weed it out, which led to upstarts like Matt Gates and many others to challenge the system and say no. So that's it. 
Cry all you want about it, dude. Cry all you want. I don't care. It's your fault. It is. Everything that we do now, the next step is going to be the next generation as they inherit power. I'm 37 and I think Matt's 40. So you've got people who are we're around this age, entering our 40s or in our 40s. Millennials are starting to take over. We're starting to become CEOs. We're starting to take over Congress. You are going to see millennials run for president even. That's right. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's a millennial. Same age as me, a little bit older. A couple months, I think. You're going to start seeing, he's 38 now. You're going to start seeing us. <clears throat> and everything you see from us is a result of what you built and how you ran this country. And so Newt Gingrich, I don't believe did enough to challenge the machine and inspire young people to operate the way he wants things to operate. No. Now he's complaining that there are people who are upset with how things are running and are saying we want something different. Trump rules out speaker run as GOP floats him as McCarthy replacement. Ah, it was too good to be true. Yeah, yeah, everybody. It was too good to be true. I know you all wanted a, uh, a speaker Donald Trump, but it will not be the case. And uh, as of right now, it looks like we're not going to have anything until Tuesday. But um, Nancy Pelosi was evicted. That was fun. The big news is we've got, uh, what, like a month left before a government shutdown. And that's bad news for some people, a lot of people. A lot of people aren't going to get their paychecks. I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to shed a tear for government employees. I, I understand what Matt is saying. Matt was saying that he doesn't want the government to shut down because it means people go without pay. It means benefits can be at risk. It's not a good thing. But we have to get control of spending because we are spending into oblivion. We are stripping people of their savings. It is driving massive inflation. All of the presidents of, uh, 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 of you know, yesterday and, and, and before bear responsibility, at least in the last 30 years or so, it has been a long time where presidents have just kept spending, driving up the deficit, screwing up inflation, and it's made things worse in a lot of ways. But the argument they always make is we can't let the system break. Now, you know what I see here? In Congress, it is easier to kick the can down the road. When I was a kid, my parents also told me about another scenario we end up seeing. Roads. Yeah. What had happened was there was a road that needed to be rebuilt. And the politician who got in said, we're going we're gonna to get it done ahead of schedule and under budget. And they were all excited. And essentially what happens is inferior products are used and the road will only last for a couple of years, but long enough for that politician to get out of office, to finish their term or seek reelection. So they say before election, we're going to get these potholes fixed. They get elected and they say, I fulfilled my promise. Everyone cheers. And then a couple of years later, when they're retiring or when uh, before their reelection, the road starts crumbling again. Instead, what they could do is they could say, we're going to make a road that lasts 25 years, but it's very expensive. And then everyone complains about it. So this is the game they play. They say short term gains, long term losses, because that's how you win elections. It's funny, right? We want elections. We want people to be represented by, by uh, in a constitutional republic by people who have terms. But the end result is this. This is why a lot of people make the argument for longer terms or even for autocracy or monarchy. Not a fan. I disagree. You get way worse things. Imagine having a politician who was crooked and evil forever. Not good. The problem we have now is because of the election cycle, you get nothing in off years and then the world is ending on presidential election years. 
Now, I do think we are facing unprecedented times and things are getting particularly bad. 2020 was crazy and we've gotten a bunch of crazy things since then. Crime is getting really bad. I got a video coming up at 4 p.m. about this, but I do think right now we are uh, facing victory. Doesn't mean we're going to win tomorrow or even next year or even in four years. I'm just looking at people standing up to this corrupt machine and maybe it just means a reform period. I would accept that and I hope it happens. So shout out to Matt Gates and Jim Jordan. You know, what? I do hope Jim wins, although I do feel like we'll end up being disappointed. There's a reason why I don't think Matt Gates is even running for speaker because it's an impossible job. I can respect that, but I can't respect Kevin McCarthy breaking his word. Kevin McCarthy should have come out and given a speech and said, I gave a promise to Republicans that would they vote for me, I will not negotiate backroom deals. This means that we have to come to an agreement on the Republican side and figure out what that compromise is. Instead, backroom deal, continuing resolution. Not, not okay with that. It's Kevin's fault. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The full uncensored video of the murder in New York of the leftist activists has been released. I am not going to play the full video. There are some things that I will show. And there is a censored version that is being released in the media. But with this new information, we are now seeking the murderer. And the police are putting a call to try and discover who this person is. But with these details, there is a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said. Now, you may be asking yourselves, when I talk about me having very little sympathy for those who live in these cities after all this stuff is happening, they keep voting for this. People say, it's not the way, Tim. You can't, you can't think that way. I have sympathy for people who are stuck in these cities and are trying to make it work. Totally get it. I have respect for people who are in these cities fighting the fire. I do not have sympathy for the people who vote these policies in, don't know how to act. I got to talk about this video. You know why? You want to know why? Because of this article. Father of three on way to high school reunion is killed by career criminal cops. Say, now, I don't know who this guy is. A prominent Tennessee businessman was shot and killed by a man with 66 prior arrests on his way to attend his high school class's 20th anniversary reunion. Christopher Wright, 38 years old, was in downtown Chattanooga on Thursday to meet up with his alumni from his school when he got into an argument with Daryl Roberts, a career criminal known as Too Tall. Surveillance of the incident shows Wright, a father of three, talking to Roberts, 57, and another man before walking away. Wright then turns around to say something to the two men, with Roberts reacting by walking up to him and firing his gun at Wright's head. Wright was rushed to a hospital where he died. Look, man, I'm going to give this guy, it's a sad story. I'm going to give him some criticism as well. Anybody who's learning about conflict resolution, survival, combat, etc. And I, I got to tell you, man, I can't speak for MMA fighters, UFC guys, but in my experience, having talked to them, these guys have said to me, don't fight, man. We don't want to fight. In my experience, many of the people I know who are fighters try as hard as possible not to fight because they get it. One of the first things you are trained on when you're learning how to, to win a fight or, or, or defend yourself is any fight you can flee from is a fight you've won or any fight you do flee from. So my point is this. This father of three should not be killed like this. I don't think he's in the same vein as these leftist activists who advocate for social workers or whatever. So this is the problem I have. 
with these leftist activists who think all they need is a social worker. I watched this video of the leftist activists being killed, and there's so much that infuriates me. He should not have lost his life. I feel bad. I don't want anybody to lose their lives. I'm against the death penalty. I say it all the time. But at a certain point in this video, I'll describe it, okay? Because, you know, there's some fighting and stuff like that. If you really want to watch the video, you can find it. It's all over Twitter. But I'm not here to show a video. Of, I'm not here to do shotgun. I'm here to talk about what you need, what people need to understand. I watched the, uh, there's a very famous viral video of a martial arts master, black belt. And he says, I will teach you the one technique to win any fight. With one, one move, you will win every fight you are in. And all these students are around and they're watching this master and he walks up and he does the thing. And then he runs and waves his arms in the air, frantic in the other direction. And everyone busts out laughing. Then he comes back in and he says, if you can run from a fight, you do it. Any fight you flee from is a fight you've won because you don't want to fight. You don't. If you don't have to fight, don't do it. There are certain fights you can't run from. Someone's got a hostage. Someone's threatening to hurt someone else and you act in defense of others. There's a little bit of this in this story. But with this story and with this video about this, uh, this guy here, I'll, I'll, I'll scroll down and, uh, you know, here's, here's the victim and his girlfriend. I, I do, I, 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 she's probably torn up, I, she obviously, as I feel bad for, obviously, but I have criticisms. I just do. I'm sorry. This is who they're looking for. Wanted for murder. Field information needed. This guy needs to be arrested. We need the police to do their job and find this guy. And it is ironic that a leftist activist who's advocacy, whether directly or indirectly, leads to the police being neutered as such and demonized and villainized. We now need them so desperately. In this video, I am, I am deeply offended by what I see. These people think they live in this golden world of safety, skittles, and rainbows, but the world is a harsh, unfair beast. This man with a hood up walks past the couple who are sitting on a bus bench facing the sidewalk around 4 a.m. I, th- I believe it was 4 a.m. The man walks past them and he looks over at them and keeps walking. They are oblivious. They don't look at all towards the man. They just sit there. They then, within a few seconds after he's walked halfway down the street, get up and begin to walk in his direction without paying attention to who just walked past them, without thinking about anything. As they approach this man, who he begins shoving scooters and trying to knock him over. He is clearly distressed and engaging in violent activities. He then turns to the couple and yells to the young man, Ryan, and says, what the F are you looking at? And he says something, nothing, nothing, man. Instead of backing up and just leaving or fleeing, he stands his ground and leans in. Big mistake. This man is crazy. He then shoves the guy who approaches him. Dude, I watched a video once where there's a professional boxer and three guys are yelling at him. He has his hands up and he's backing away. He's walking backwards with his hands up. The guys then start aggressing and he starts doing, I don't know what it's called, but he does like the side steps with his fists up again, retreating in a defensive position, not engaging, not attacking. The guys then lunge at him and he goes, bang, knocks one out. The guy swings, bang, knocks one out. See, that's a fighter, a guy who knows and understands what it means to be in a fight. He was trying his hardest not to fight. He was backing away. The reason he didn't turn his back to the guys, because they'd hit him in the back. 
So he kept up a, d- a defensive position. I'm not telling you I'm a good fighter. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying y'all need to understand conflict resolution, survival, first aid, all of these things. Here's what happens next. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm, again, I'm offended by this video. And I'm sad for these people, but it's a lesson people need to learn. Y'all, y'all need to, you, you, you learn from these stories. Okay? The dude pushes the guy who pulls out a knife. And it looks like it's a six-inch blade of some sort. It's serious business. Again, instead of fleeing, the girlfriend, did she run? Just stands there. She should have started to run. The boyfriend has now distracted the deranged man. The girlfriend should go. In fact, the boyfriend should have said, go, run, now. She doesn't. She stands there. She could have died. The man then puts his hand up behind him like this and does this effeminate push to his chest. The man then... The guy, the murderer, takes a wide stance, like a combat stance. The victim turns in panic and trips into the bus bench they were sitting on because he was not situationally aware nor paying attention at 4 a.m. in New York City where where crime is skyrocketing. As he falls down, the murderer slams twice, I believe twice or maybe three times into the chest of the victim. Now, at first... I had said, uh, and I clarify this, I don't know the full circumstances of the injuries. And I believe there's a strong possibility it was a sucking chest wound. The reason why I often bring that up is because I know personal stories of people who have died when they should not have. And the scary thing about it is a sucking chest wound is when there's a cavity in your chest. So when you inhale, your lungs are not displacing, they're not pulling in fresh air. What's happening is you're, in, you're expanding your chest and it's actually pulling air into the cavity so your lungs aren't getting fresh air. You feel like you're breathing, but you're not. Air's not moving. And then you asphyxiate and die. And all you have to do is seal the wound. They say put a credit card on it, squeeze it tight, prevent air from getting in, and you don't die. Now, what we've learned since, the police have reported that the, the, the knife pierced his heart. That's it. He was done for. It's a sad story, man, and I'm sad that it happened. But when you advocate for these policies that are soft on crime, when you advocate for politicians who believe social workers are all you need, I am not surprised this young man was led to a young man. He was 30, 32. I'm not surprised he was led to believe that when you are confronted with a deranged person, this person's apparently young. They said he was a kid. When you're confronted by a psychotic person screaming, he said, I'll effing kill you, that you, you push him that you stand there, you get back. If the dude had been situationally aware, he'd be alive. His girlfriend would be fine. If when this guy walked past him, he simply said, let's go the other way. They'd be fine. But they didn't even look. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, the viral video of the man and the woman walking in the mall. And the guy goes, but there's two exits behind me. My closest exit is still in front of me. That guy looks a little bit sketchy. Better stay away from him. Then it shows the woman going, I'm making my way downtown. The joke was the man was situationally aware. For what reason did this guy decide to confront this dude? 
I do not understand. But I think the issue is this man was, and I'm not trying to be a dick to the departed. He was soft. He wasn't paying attention to where he was. He was so used to the cushy, affluent lifestyle that urban liberals so often do. He did not think about anything around him. He didn't think about dangers. He didn't think about the crazy guy screaming. He didn't think about where the bus bench was. He tried to flee. Here's the other thing. The girlfriend is standing there. And I can understand a guy getting in between a deranged man and, 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 and their girlfriend. I get it. Girlfriend should have ran. The guy begins to run and trips over the bus bench. And that's it. Now he's on the ground and he takes a couple, a couple hits to the chest. If he had been actively paying attention to what was around him, instead of trying to confront this guy, lean in, shove him, and tell him to chill, he'd be alive. If it wasn't for these soft on crime policies, he'd likely be alive. Now, the fault, of course, stays with the perpetrator. But my point is not to sit here and blame the victims. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I hope you all use this as a lesson to understand the importance of knowing first aid. I don't think he could have been saved if, the, if it really did pierce his heart. It's a sad story. Understand first aid. Understand situational awareness. I don't know, man. This video, it's just so crazy to watch this woman after her boyfriend is, fatal, is mortally wounded. She just stands there and she looks around. And she's like just doing nothing. I don't think she understood. She doesn't. These people who are very anti-gun don't understand that knives are more dangerous. In most circumstances, especially close quarters, high density areas. Imagine you're in a crowd and a music venue. When all of a sudden you hear bangs, people will freak out. They heard a gunshot. They run. Imagine someone went to a crowd with a knife. No one would hear anything and no one would do anything. And the people who got stabbed wouldn't even know they were stabbed. That's the scary, the terrifying reality of not understanding what a knife can really do. Now, in the UK, they're like, we're banning knives, too. It's like, good luck with that. What we need are people have to have the ability to defend themselves. But in New York, you can't. You can't carry concealed. So what do you do? You're going to carry a knife? That's illegal, too. Yeah, it's illegal to carry knives in New York City. So obviously, if you're carrying, like, a kitchenware set, no one's going to complain. It's not like the UK. But yeah, yeah, knives are illegal, especially at a certain length or something like this. Doesn't matter. Criminals are going to get away with it. You see, what happened was when this guy mortally wounded the girl's boyfriend, she didn't know what happened. She didn't realize. And this is this is true. The only reason people know they get shot is because they hear a bang. And sometimes they don't even know. They check. They're like, was I just hit? And they don't know. People don't get it. When it comes to knives, there are several stories where people take some serious hits from like a five or six inch blade. Your, your adrenaline's pumping. You don't know. You got hit. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to make you cringe right now. I'm going to make you cringe right now. And I'm warning you, okay? You're not going to want to envision what I'm about to tell you. So for those that don't, it's not, it's not so bad. It's just going to make you wince. When I was 18... I had a backpack with uh, 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 gear in it. I had skate tools. I'd carry my skateboard with it. And I carried a change of clothes if I was going to be staying at like a friend's house or whatever. And I carried a face razor. And I'm an idiot. I reached into my bag looking for my skate tool. And I was just like, I'll find it. And I'm feeling around and I feel something and it feels weird. And I'm like, what is this? It's like a weird feeling. I can't figure out what it is. And then I feel wet. And then I pull my hand out and my thumb is covered in blood my face razor. I didn't know I was slicing my thumb open with the, with the razor. It wasn't that bad. I ran my finger across it a couple times and sliced it up. And I was like, oh, you've got, I'm such an idiot. People assume 
that you're going to know when you're hit because you'll feel all this pain. But if you're not expecting it, sometimes you don't even notice. And what happens with blades is they say, I don't know if this is true, but it goes between the nerves or something like this. Man, all I really want to say, I guess I can just stop harping on this. I watched the uncensored full version of this. The censored version, you don't see how the hits happened. You just see the guy on the ground. And I assumed it was probably like a, a sucking chest wound because this is what happens when you get stabbed in the chest typically. But I guess it went to his heart. This young man was upset. There's a woman who walks in a frame and she goes, she has something like Brian, don't hurt him or something like that. And uh, he kicks the guy after, after mortally wounding him. Wanted for murder. I, I think what happened was this guy got into a fight with a girlfriend or something, lost his mind, and then just in a blind rage killed the guy. Passion murder for no reason. Some of the people are saying that he was on a, he was on a rampage and they just got in his way. It's really simple, my friends. If you are in any area and you see someone who's acting strange, you go the other direction. You walk the other direction. It's that simple. But you know what? So many of these urban liberals are scared of being called racist when they do that, clutching their purse or crossing the street. I don't care what you call me. And I don't care what you look like, dude. It doesn't matter. You know, it'd be funny if people begin mugging others while wearing suits, because then no one sees it coming. I implore you all, get self-defense training. I implore you to get first aid training and uh, just something basic. You get rusty quick. You forget a lot of things. But there are some instances where a single sentence can save your life. I learned something interesting when I did hostile environment training. I learned that a lot of people don't understand how tourniquets work. Uh huh. I didn't believe it, but it's true because I, I witnessed it with people in training who did not understand. So we were, we were talking about femoral bleeds and how quickly you can die if your femoral artery is hit. Carotid as well. And... Um, the people who are applying tourniquets were told by the instructor, you need to put the tourniquet above the wound, right? Which means it needs to be closer to, you, to your hip to stop the greater flow of blood from the rest of your body exiting the wound. And they explained to us that many people will put the tourniquet below, beneath the wound, and the blood keeps coming. And they don't understand. They don't get that a tourniquet is putting pressure to cut the supply of blood to the area where it is leaking out of the body. And then I watched people who were explicitly told this making that mistake. Like, blood is coming out of your arm. Stop the blood above so that no blood goes to the arm. They don't get it. And that's why people need training. And it's like for a lot of people who don't know that, a single sentence, and it could save someone's life. The other thing, too, is people don't know how to make tourniquets. Yo, seriously, you rip a t-shirt and you get a pen. You need a, a, something for leverage. And again, this is not me giving you advice or instruction because I'm just some random dude who took a first aid kit. You go, you go, you, of course, you go take your course. But what one thing they pointed out is you can take a belt, you take a shirt or a cloth, you wrap it, and then you tie, you tie a knot around a pen and spin the pen and it will tighten. And then you can like fold it into itself so it holds. There's a lot of things you can do. I'm not the expert on this. My point is just this guy was so comfortable in New York City. They're so safe in their bubble. They do not realize what, how bad it's getting. But you get it. I made my point. I kind of ranted a little bit longer than I expected. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there, man. We know that crime is getting worse, but uh, next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Listen, ladies. 
You made the rules, and now you have to live by them. In this story, men overrun Grace Hopper Women in Tech Conference by registering as non-binary, and you have no room to complain. But sure enough, they are. You know, Matt Walsh had a good take on this, saying all of a sudden, a bunch of women are now deciding that the word woman actually means something. I'll give you the story in the quick version, and then we'll read through this. There is a tech event to recruit women in tech, and a bunch of dudes signed up as non-binary and were desperately trying to give out their resumes and get jobs and get recruited. The funny thing about this is it was not a troll. It was not a protest. It was an organic incident. Basically, a bunch of guys who need jobs were like, if the only thing that I can do to get a leg up in this market is claim to be non-binary, I'll do it. Now, of course, this phenomenon does result in more people claiming to be non-binary, which will go into the stats and then you'll get weird laws passed because Democrats will believe it. But it doesn't matter. This is an emergent phenomenon. There is a young man. He says, you have to succeed by any means necessary. They need a job. They don't want to be homeless. What do they see? They go to a job fair. They say, sorry, we're not hiring you. Sorry, we're not hiring you. So what do they do? A women's conference pops up, tons of jobs available. And they say, look, man, I need work. I'll just say non-binary and we're good. And the funny thing about this is the people, the people at the conference start insulting these men and claiming that they've never exhibited uh, ever before said they were non-binary. Why all of a sudden? No, you don't need to. Your rules. I remember I watched this video where it's like a, it was a guy with a beard. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a trans person, literally just a guy with a beard. And he was like, I identify as a woman now. Because what does it mean to be a woman? He had like an umbrella and he's like acting, you know, flamboyant or whatever. But he was clearly just a guy with a beard. Again, I'm not talking about a trans person. I'm saying like a, just a regular looking guy. And there were people celebrating it, saying like, what does it mean to be a woman? They were totally on board with this when it was a spectacle on social media advancing their cause. But now that cisgendered males are masquerading as non-binary, the rules must change again. And women are losing their minds. Well, reaping meets sowing. Here's the story from OutKick. Men overrun event. They write, when you create a stupid system, don't be surprised when people exploit it. And that's exactly what happened over the weekend when a conference for women in tech was swamped by men who registered under the guise of non-binary. Yeah, you can argue that, but based on their rules, they're just non-binary. I'm sorry, you don't get, I understand why the right would argue they're not really non-binary, but my view on this is a bunch of non-binary people signed up. Those are their rules. What makes them binary? Did they say they were non-binary? It's all you have to do, right? The Grace Opera Celebration is an annual conference and career fair designed to bring the research and career interests of women in computing to the forefront. But this year, droves of men descended on the Orlando event with resumes in hand, and some reportedly even cut lines and shoved women out of the way to submit those resumes to potential employers. There's video of this. I love it so much. Watching a bunch of dudes who did not plan this, all shoving women out of the way and waving their resumes at people. These are the rules you wanted. You want males in female sports? What was that? When they were like, no one's going to pretend to be trans to get an advantage. Uh, are you now accusing these non-binary individuals of lying to gain an advantage? Okay. Well, sure. You tell me, I guess. What's that? They are? Well, then let's go uh, look back at all of the uh, women's sporting events and see if any of these people were just trying to get an advantage. Huh? Uh-oh. You can't have it both ways. I'm sorry. 
They go on to say female attendees expressed their frustration on social media. These men are acting like zoo animals, sprinting to the booths and physically hurting some of the attendees. But you allowed them to come. You said non-binary people are allowed. And in order to be non-binary, you need only claim you are. So a bunch of guys were like, I'll do whatever I have to do to get a job. Congratulations. These are your rules. No one did anything wrong. A product designer named Lily Lee said that men didn't attend the panels and seminars. Rather, they bolted straight for the job fair. In her TikTok video, she read comments from women who claimed they were bothered, harassed, and even hit on by some of the male participants. Well, non-binary doesn't mean that you don't like women. This is space for women in tech. Another Grace Hopper attendee said, this is one of those few limited resources that isn't for you. It's for us. Yes, but you allow non-binary people. Come on. What game are you playing? Chaos was the word of the day, wrote a woman named Preeti Ladwa. Many men attending as non-allies overstepped boundaries. We witnessed inappropriate comments, breaches of personal space, and a sheer lack of decorum. Don't know, don't care. Anita B., the nonprofit that runs the conference, said on LinkedIn, there was an increase in participation of self-identifying males at this year's event. The nonprofit noted it cannot ban men, ban men from attending because of federal non-discrimination protections. Sorry, guys. It got so bad, though. The organization's chief impact officer stood up on the conference to explain that some registrants had lied about their gender identity and men were now taking up space and time with recruiters that should go to women. All of those are limited resources to which you have no right. Full stop. The organization has just violated the Civil Rights Act. You cannot go on stage and say, no men, we can't ban you, but that's not for you. Okay. The Civil Rights Act, multiple titles, Talk about what you can or can't do in terms of discrimination and sex, gender identity, gender. They're all protected. Now imagine, I know what the feminists and the left are going to say, but just imagine this because it's equal under the law. Someone went up on stage and chastised black people for showing up when the space should be for white people. Yes, there would be outrage, but the Civil Rights Act covers that. You cannot do that. We're forced to let you be here, but this is not for you. You can't do that. Sorry, you can't do that. That's what they did to men. These are the rules you asked for. Bo Young Lee, Anita B's advisory president, posted a video on LinkedIn on Friday in response to the criticism. She said the event had always felt like a safe and loving and embracing place. This year, I must admit, it didn't feel this way. And I know that many of you felt the same. Many of you are feeling unsafe physically and psychologically, and you're feeling unheard. We tried to create a safe space, and this week we saw the outside world creep in. This makes me angry and it makes me sad, but mostly it makes me want to fight. Yeah, that's those are quite literally fighting words. Wow. She made this video where, you know, I, I love this idea that, um, you know, I'll put it this way. I am not saying that all of these people who want a women only uh, uh, event are guilty of being feminists and far leftists because I believe it is fine to have women's spaces. But it is typically these people who create these policies and allow, say, non-binary that are advocating for these policies and now all of a sudden are upset about it. This is not, it does not appear to be a women's event run by conservative women who would have just kicked the men out. I really do think so. I think if you were going to see conservatives holding an event and a guy showed up and said non-binary, they'd be like, sorry, dude. And uh, I know that there are, the argument is over like federal law and stuff like that. But for the most part, this is likely relatively woke. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. But uh, this is what the woke left is creating. 
there's not going to be a women's recruiting drive. So as I've said time and time again, the left hates feminism and is destroying it. And now people recognize that's where we're going to end up. Only fans, especially. All right, here we go. They say it is a shame what happened at Grace Hopper. But when you create a system that allows women to be marginalized under the banner of love and inclusivity, this is what happens. And it's interesting that a group of tech nerds motivated by numbers and facts is even entertaining the charade that men can be women. Hopefully the organizers will take this lesson and make sure next year's women conference is on, open only to women. A wild concept, I know. This is uh, written by Amber Harding, a woman no less, right? Here's the issue. You create an event and you say non-binary people are welcome. And you say to be non-binary, you need only assert it. What do you think is going to happen? You absolutely will get this because it's about numbers. It's not about ideology. It's not about what you want to happen. It's about numbers. How many people exist? How many people are willing to exploit? How many people will? Let's say, you know, they do this annual event and you've got 300 million people in the U.S., Let's say you got 100 million working uh, males eligible for work or, you know, maybe let's say 80. I don't know. I don't know what the number of working age males is. It might, it might be 100, 150 million, actually. Well, I don't, I don't want to say that because there's young people. So the, the number here, let's just say 80 million. Let's say 79 million are like, I would never go to a women's event and claim to be non-binary. Let's say there's a tiny minority of people, simply 10,000, who absolutely would attend any event and claim to be any identity. Now you get it. Okay. Now you're going to see your event overrun by people who are willing to claim to be non-binary if it gives them an advantage. And you know what the reality is? The guys who are willing to do this will get the advantage. They're more likely to get the job. Why? A guy who won't attend won't be hired. And in fact, I'm sure a bunch of these companies don't care. A guy walks up and says, yo, I'm non-binary and I'm a full stack developer. And they're like, Works for me, fills our quota in California, you're hired. A woman comes up to them and says, we want to be, we want to be hired by your company. And they go, I got to be honest, female, it checks a box, non-binary, queer, that checks more boxes. We'll take that. We can hire one person and then put in our annual report that X percent of our employees are part of these groups, not you ladies. So these are the rules you want. These are the rules you get. I ain't complaining about it. I just won't be part of these events. I don't care about these companies. We're going to build our own parallel economy and we're going to we're going to watch and mock them as they destroy their own organizations and then complain about it. That's your problem, guys. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. New York is uh, in uh, dire straits. Crime is rampant. We've got that viral story all throughout this week of that dude who was murdered, the leftist, and his girlfriend, who was also a leftist. And uh, we're well aware that things are getting bad. Stores are closing. The economy is not doing so well. But ladies and gentlemen, AOC calls for higher taxes on New York's top 5%, which would hit households earning more than $250,000 a year, analysis shows. Okay. $250,000 a year is a top 5% because the reality is in New York, you struggle and life sucks. It's one of the reasons I left New York. It is unaffordable. If you're super rich, fine, I guess. But if you're super rich, why would you live in an area where someone might kill you? You wouldn't. You'd leave. And uh, I left. Most of my friends left. And there are a lot of people that are still there. But right now, there is a mass exodus out of New York of people who earn. 
What AOC is proposing is exactly what destroys cities. And I've got the income calculator to back this up. So let's talk about the top 5% and how they're living. The Firebrand Democrats signed on to a statement issued last month by the New York City Democratic Socialists, calling on the city and state to fund resources for all New Yorkers by raising taxes in the top 5%. And it sounds so good. They say all these poor people living a paycheck to paycheck, the rich people should foot the bill. No, the rich people will leave. You know that New York City has an income tax? That's right. New York City, one of the few places in the, in, this, in the country where a city imposes an income tax. So you've got federal, state, and city. It is one of the highest tax rates in the country. California is higher, but uh, New York, because of the city tax, becomes very high as well. In an analysis on Monday from the Wall Street Journal, Tim Hoffer, the CEO of a conservative think tank, Empire Center for Public Policy, accused the congresswoman of attempting to redefine the term rich, the top 5%. Considering the left's prior focus on the 1%, it's a major development. Hoffer wrote that while the top 1% of New Yorkers make nearly a million dollars in adjusted gross income, the 5% threshold is a little bit above $250,000 for a household or a married couple making $127,000 each. Hoffer argued that $127,000 threshold would include many government workers, teachers, and school administrators and first responders. The move from targeting the top 1% to the top 5% is a recognition that the socialist program to borrow from Margaret Thatcher, risks running out of other people's money. AOC was one of 20 elected officials from New York to sign on to the state recent uh, DSA statement alongside Senators Julia Salazar, Jabari Brisport, and Kristen Gonzalez. Oh boy, I love this one. Hey, AOC, let's talk about taxes. All right. I lived in New York City for several years and I paid my taxes. I did not leave necessarily because I didn't want to pay money. I actually have no problem paying for services rendered if the services rendered are something I think are good. In New York City, crime is running rampant. There were two cops who were executed on my street. Not an exaggeration. I look out my window and I saw the murder scene. Not really a place I want to live at, right? Things were getting worse. Riots, bombings. And so uh, for a while since Occupy Wall Street, I had started making pretty good money. I got a bunch of press attention, started building a company, went and worked for Vice and then Fusion, and I was getting paid decent salaries. Around this time, as crimes got started skyrocketing, I didn't really think all that much about taxes. What I did think, though, was that the city's mismanagement was inappropriate for someone like me, and I should probably buy a house and move somewhere else. I, moved, I first moved to Jersey to get out of the city because I'm like, I still want to be in the metro, but I don't want to be in the city. It's too expensive. Then eventually I left. It was too expensive. I am what you would describe as a high income earner. And as high income earners, we pay majority of the taxes. Majority of taxes paid come from people who are wealthy. Because of high taxes, people flee to places like Puerto Rico, where if you live there for at least half the year, you have no income tax. Now, if you're a millionaire, that's a lot of money. And what, what the reason the government does it is they want you to move there. So, hey, let's talk about this. When the government wants people to move to a place, they reduce or eliminate taxes. Then rich people come in and develop and build nice things. And this helps the economy grow in the area. When cities want to kick people out, you raise taxes. So here's the argument, I suppose. It's rough for the average person because they're only they're making less than 250. Only the top 5% makes 250. And a lot of people listening right now are going to be like 250, that's an insane amount of money. Oh, you bet. You're going to be taking home, I think after taxes like 150, 160k. Yeah. Like 80, 90,000 uh, goes to taxes. That's right. That's a lot to live off of though. And compared to the average person, it's brutal. But here are some things that y'all need to consider. And let's talk about AOC's desperate desire to just destroy 
New York. For one, there's the viral video where she's talking about uh, bringing in non-citizens, giving them work rights, giving them special protections and housing. And people are screaming and protesting. So you know she actively is intending on bring on, to bring on policies that will harm the citizens of New York City. I have, I have this for you from Rent Hop. The average rent in New York, New York, all right, studio apartment, $3,450 is the average rent. One year ago, it was $3,138. It's gone up 10%. Three years ago, it was 2218 When I saw that it was at 3500 for a studio, that blew my mind. I was in a hip neighborhood in a two-bedroom for $2,100 just about eight or so years ago. When I saw that, I was like, yeah, it's not really 3500 No, makes sense. Three years ago, it was 22 for a studio. Makes sense. Three years before that, it would have been 17. Rent is skyrocketing. Let's talk about being reasonable. A reasonable rent for the average person is going to be, it's going to be a one bedroom. Okay. We don't want people living in pods and eating bugs. You should be able to afford a one bedroom, right? A one bedroom in New York City is $4,150 on average. The price per square foot goes down as you get bigger, but the price will still go up because there's, there's more square footage. It was $3,958 a year ago. It's over $4,000 per month to have a one bedroom. So if you think it's reasonable that you have a living room separate from your bedroom, four grand per month. Let's talk about those wages, Ocasio. Cortez, the top 5% of income earners make uh, uh, take home, according to Smart Asset, talking about New York City, they take home $13,378 per month, which means they would at the end of the day have about $8,000 or so for everything else, $8,500 afterwards. Now you may be saying, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. I mean, you know, $13,000 a month, you can live off that. Now let's take into consideration healthcare, vacation, new clothes, and most importantly, we're talking about families. The reality is, as accurately described, this is going to be some government employees, some doctors, some mid-level managers who are making $127,000 per year and their wives, and they have kids, and they want to live in something a bit larger than a one-bedroom. The average person I'm talking about taxing is not some single millennial who makes 300 grand a year. So let's go back to rent. Let's say you are, I mean, let's be real, probably not having kids if you live in New York, but, but a lot of people do. Okay. Obviously there's lots of kids in New York. Liberals tend not to, but let's say it is two adults and two kids. What's reasonable? A two bedroom, five grand a month. Now to be honest, I guess that's what you're going to end up doing. Your kids are going to share a bedroom. They may be upset. You might need a three bedroom if you've got two kids, depending on their ages as well, which means you as a parent takes a room and then the, each kid gets their own bedroom or they have bunk beds, depending on how far apart in age they are. But let's be real. If, if, if they're three or four years apart, they're, they're not going to, it's going to be rough. I think it is fair and reasonable to expect that a family can have a three bedroom for a family of four. Now, let's say it's a family of five, which should be acceptable. The problem here is it's becoming increasingly cost prohibitive to have a family. Are you reasonably going to go and raise your kids in a studio? No. How much do you make on average? Okay. Well, the average wage in New York is around sixty-five dollars to $80,000 a year, which means that, yes, the average family is not going to be in that top 5%, but they certainly can't afford rent. 
So what is AOC really saying? The people who are just above break even should pay more. I'm sorry, man. Your city's in trouble, okay? A four bedroom really is, it makes a lot of sense for a family of five. The parents share a room and each kid gets a bedroom. And I know that's a big ask. If you're in the suburbs, more, more likely it's possible. If you're in New York, you're probably going to sacrifice. Two kids might share a room. One kid might get their own room. Or you just don't have the kids because you can't afford it. Raising taxes on people who make 250 if you're if you're married. Let's, let, me, let me make sure I get this. We'll do the math right because I think this one is uh, is, is single. Pay frequency. Let's do married. You're, you're, you're going to get a lot more money. Oh, never mind. You're going to get 800 more dollars. <laughs> AOC wants to charge the people who are taking home $14,000 a month between two full-time parents more in taxes. You get about 70% of your income, 30% goes to taxes. And uh, let, let, let me see here if we uh, state and local income tax. This is wrong, by the way, because there is a local income tax. So it's actually less. I believe New York's local income tax is like 3.75%. So we're looking at another, what do we got here? $400 off. So yeah, about 14000 you can live off that. And I understand a lot of people are saying, yeah, but you're not doing so bad. I wish I made that much money right. My point is this. They're not going to pay the tax. They're going to leave your city. Then your tax revenue will go down. We are not talking about the ultra wealthy who are flying in helicopters. We're talking about AOC targeting working families who are just getting by to the point where if both parents are working full time, kids got to go to daycare, right? Kids got to be in school. Do you want your kid going to public school? Man, you see how they're how they're running this game? Now you need someone else raising your kids so that both parents can work. That's the reality of the modern condition. And so how much is that going to run you? If you're doing daycare, a couple grand per month. Now you've got medical, food, and supplies, another couple grand. If you're making 250 between two parents, you are not ultra wealthy. You are just getting by in New York City. And again, I know there's a lot of people going to be like, are you nuts if I made that much money, dude? It is insane how expensive and difficult it is to live in New York City. My point is this. I am not saying a family that is making 250 is in the poorhouse. I'm saying these are people who have just barely come past this point where they're like, now we can breathe a little bit. You probably can save up to get a change of clothes for your kids. If you don't have kids, this is, this is how they exploit you. But in the end, only one thing matters. AOC and Democrat policies will result in hardworking individuals fleeing. And that's it. Thank you. Have a nice day. You want to raise taxes? They'll just leave. They'll go work somewhere else and they'll take that tax revenue with them. And then things will get worse. But by all means, you do you. I don't live there. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.